This is EdTech Now, a short podcast about education technology and how it's used in the classroom. EdTech Now is made possible by StackUp, a Chrome browser extension that makes reading fun and easy using the entire web and delivers reading progress and online usage metrics to administrators. Now here's our host, Noah Geisel, Education Director at StackUp. Hi, Lee. Our guest today is Dr. Baron Davis. As Richland School District 2 Superintendent in South Carolina, he leads a school system that serves more than 27,000 students. It's one of the state's largest school districts. Dr. Davis, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, the first thing I wanted to start with is your strategic plan for 2017 and beyond. We we read it. You talk about preparing students to become global citizens of tomorrow. And I'm curious, in your view as a district leader, you know, how does that look in the digital age? Global citizens of tomorrow, I think, are students who, and especially in the digital age, are students who are not just simply digital natives, but these are students who are pushing innovation in the digital age. And as they're pushing innovation, they still have the skills uh, of critical thinking. They still have the ability to collaborate and to communicate. These are students who are focused on being diverse but also being inclusionary in their practices as well. And these are students who are using data as a part of decision-making. It's informing their decision-making. If we were able to put students in that position and prepare students to lead and excel in their chosen pathways, it's important that they have those skill set to be able to do that. And we think that the things I've just shared with you, those principal practices we like to call them here in Richland too, will allow them to be able to to lead in a digital age as they pursue their their careers. That is such powerful stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, you mentioned communication. And one thing that really sticks out to me in your school district is the social media, because I think on just so many levels in a lot of school districts, it's a disruptive force that districts tend to approach from a perspective of having to contend with it, right? And I get a sense when I look, you know, at RSD2, that y'all take an approach that's more about embracing social media than contending with it. You know, your feeds are full of pictures of kids, celebrations of, of learning and achievement. And, you know, can you talk us through the intentionality of this approach as well as what it says about the school and district culture? Sure. It hasn't always been that way. I, I do remember a time when we were very strict with cell phones and the use of cell phones and having and possessing cell phones here in our district and in this state in particular for our students. And then I remember we slowly began the transition. And as cell phones and, and electronic devices became more and more popular, we found ourselves dealing with a lot of disciplinary issues as a result of it. And so the conversation started around this being a tool and how then do you transition from seeing this as a nuisance to seeing it as a tool in your school that students are able to use? And it also assisted us in long before we were able to go one-to-one because it did provide our students with access to information. And so as opposed to simply developing plans to limit the use of technology, we began to develop plans and develop ideas around how to include that in our everyday practices within our classrooms and with our students. And so we still have, you know, some limitations with the use of technology at the lower grade levels, elementary, middle. By the time the students hire to get to high school, we began to open up a little bit and allowing them to use the technology. And so it kind of grew from there and evolved from there. When we became one to one, we realized that the phone, of course, was just a, a mini computer in your pocket. And so we just developed some rules 
on the use of cell phones. And we involved the students in looking at those rules and helping us develop those rules. And I thought we came up with some really good parameters on how to use cell phones in schools. And for the most part, our students used it very appropriately. Of course, you know, there's some issues here and there that pop up, but not nearly as many issues as we had in the past when we were being extremely restricted with it. So how does that help with our culture? Well, part of it is that we liken ourselves or tout ourselves as having a culture of innovation and being innovative in our mindset and in our problem solving. And that innovation is just a part of what we do each and every day. And so technology is a vehicle that allows us to drive innovation in Richland too. And things like using social media to share our story, to control the narrative of the school district for marketing purposes of the school district to show all the wonderful things that are taking place within the classrooms. And so you get an inside look at what's going on in schools on a daily basis. I'm, I'm pretty uh, particular myself in doing that in my feeds and making sure as I visit schools and classrooms that I take pictures of students learning and teachers teaching and then showing celebrations and things of that nature. We have now a Apple app development course in our district. We also have a social media marketing class where our students are learning how to use social media for the purpose of marketing, and they're taking on clients and developing social media platforms for them. That is so cool. And for listeners of EdTech Nine, I, I think that that idea of you know schools and districts controlling that narrative really resonates with what we've heard in past episodes with Eric Schinninger and Tom, Tom Murray. And you know something that you, you touched on there when you're talking about preparing students for their digital futures that really resonates with me is how you're modeling as a district a willingness to look in the mirror and change and say, you know, we're wrong. We need to change course. And I, I think that's really a, a skill that, that's going to be valuable in, in successful futures, right? Is a willingness to, to change course when need be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's continuous reflection is a part of growth is continuously looking at where you are and where you want to be. How do you see yourself self-actualizing the ideal school district? What is your ideal school district? And you know, our, our ideal school district is to be the premier school district. And so what do premier school districts do? What do we what does it take to be premier? And being premier is an insatiable kind of an undesirable, uh, undeniable appetite to to consistently demonstrate excellence in those in our core values and our principal practices and in achieving our universal goals. You know, going back to this idea that you touched on there, growth, you know, I know that you, you've been recognized for for leading growth at, at schools where, where you've had the opportunity to, to lead students and teachers. And, you know, you kind of have a unique perspective on that because you have experience doing that in urban settings, rural settings, suburban education environments. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, what are some of the considerations that are universal and others that are hyper local that, you know, other schools can kind of beg, borrow, and steal from you on as far as leading their own growth? I think a few things that are that are definitely universal is the ability to communicate effectively to your audience, your vision for that school district, for that school in particular. Because I had that experience as a principal working in three different school districts and so, but each school had a different need, but they all needed to have a vision. And so I think as a school leader, you have to effectively be able to communicate the vision for that school or the vision for that district and continuously share that with your partners in that district. And, and we look at partners in three parts. There are students and their, and their parents, our employees, and then our community at large. And that includes our business community, faith-based community, and so on. And so you have to routinely meet with those individuals and listen 
And so that's where the communication piece comes in that. So going away from information, I think sometimes you have a tendency in this digital age that we live in now that we can share so much information at one time through so many different mediums that sometimes we get a little sidetracked and forget the importance of actually having a conversation and communicating with people on a face-to-face level. Because communication gives them an opportunity to ask questions and get their questions answered at that time. And it takes out some of the uncertainty when reading communications in writing about what the person truly means. You can ask some follow-up questions and, and, and really get to the meat of what a person really wants to know. As far as differences at the different levels of schools, to be honest, I never really saw or thought there were a lot of differences when working with my students. I had students who were extremely gifted academically to some students who faced challenges academically, whether it was high poverty or low poverty. I had a bit of all at every school that I I worked at. What it came down to is the relationship levels, the relationships with the students. And every school that I worked in or served as principal in and working with my staff, it was about helping them understand uh, the importance of relationships and building that culture and environment that sustained academic excellence. You had to work on making sure that that was a continuous project in every school, whether it's a high achieving school or school that was struggling at the time, was setting the mark for what was considered excellence and continuously practicing that and working on your culture so that it could sustain that. Hey, it's Lee jumping in with a quick word about StackUp, which makes this podcast possible. StackUp is the only tool that unlocks the learning benefits of the entire web while providing the accountability that educators need to measure progress and engagement. With StackUp, you can measure and report online reading and learning for your entire district in less than two minutes. Now back to the show with Noah Geisel. You know, something that I hear you saying that I just so love is, you know, that we're looking at student growth data and, you know, it's not just information, right? You're really interested in what about this is meaningful. And I read where, you know, you recently told a group of students to investigate their passions and find purposeful pathways. And, you know, when we think about, you know, the traditional data points like test scores, GPA, attendance rates, you know, around student growth, something I'm personally really passionate about is, you know, finding student growth data that's going to help us communicate a deeper, richer narrative about who our students are as learners and achievers. And mm-hmm. I'm really curious, as, as a leader of a large school district, are there any out-of-the-box data points that you're currently looking at or you'd love to start seeing that you believe could lead to a more, you know, shall we call it a high-def image of, of our students and who they are as learners and achievers? Yeah. So, you know, we have, you know, demographic data that we all look at and we look at achievement data for our students or learning data for our students. And and we even look at behavior data and things like that and perception data that we can get from uh, different surveys from our students and their parents and their and, and our community about how well we're doing and you know as far as excuse me a school system. So demographic data, achievement data and perception data. And there's one other data point that that I think is a little different that we're looking at and that's process data. We're looking at and reviewing and taking notes and narratives on how we do things so that when we are successful, we can actually go back and look at the points of the things that we did well at that time that made a significant impact in our attempts to 
you know, be, become better, to become premier? And what are the things that we did that did not work? And documenting that data and our thinking, our actions, we're looking at that type of data, which is kind of a, a different way of looking at data, looking at your processes and the things that you put in place. Super exciting. Do I understand you correctly, Dr. Davis, that, that you're kind of documenting your footprints, if you will, of yes. where you've come from to how you got to where you are. And so you're able to take, you know, what's awesome as well as, you know, the lessons learned on the way to being premier and, you know, have essentially a playbook that is there so that these ideas are not siloed. That's exactly right. Oftentimes, great organizations don't really know why they're great. Sometimes, you know, some years you may get a, a great group of students that come in in first grade. They're, they're just top of the line, high flyers, doing extremely well, and they're ready to go. And they carry that with them throughout the years till they graduate. And then some years you may get a mixture. And some years you may get the majority of students may have had some other challenges coming in. And so you may not get that. We can't control some of those things that impact student learning outside of uh, the school. But if we have documented processes and steps that we've taken when faced with certain challenges to overcome those challenges, then we can go back and look at that playbook and say, well, you know, when we were faced with this issue, when we were faced with this challenge. These are some of the things we implement. These are some of the things that we did to try to remedy that. And it was successful or it wasn't successful. And that playbook can be shared and passed down from, you know, one leader to the next, from one classroom teacher to the next. That, so that's really good information to be able to document. Seriously, man, that is some next level data. I, I love what y'all are doing there and can't wait to see where it goes in the future. You know, something that I want to ask you as we wrap up every episode of the podcast, Dr. Davis, is you know, we ask you to share what, what's something that you're really excited about right now in your own work that we should have asked you about. One of the things I'm really excited about is the research, and I'm just getting into this, to be honest, but I just came back from a conference of the League of Innovative Schools, Digital Promise. We're a member of the League of Innovative Schools and the Digital Promise and we were at the Ed Surge or Ed Fusion, Ed Surge Fusion Conference was combined with it this year in San Francisco. And I had the opportunity to select a track that I wanted to follow during the conference. After you've gone to the general sessions, you could follow a specific track. And I decided to follow the track of research. And let me tell you, it just opened my eyes to a new world in education, just the research practices and research partners that exist are redefining how students learn, how we're preparing students for the future of learning with technology, the analytics to improving schools and learning environments. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole research behind student learning and neuroscience, the neuroscience of learning. And so I can't wait to dig into some articles and to find some research that exists that's already there and see how I can leverage the advances of technology to support learner variability? And how do I, or how am I able to, to develop partnerships as a result of that with people who are supporting this movement? Man, thank you so much for giving us that just kind of peek behind the curtain into your great mind. I really appreciate it. For those of you listening at home, he is at Dr. Baron Davis. If you want to follow him on the Twitter, Dr. Davis, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for uh, giving me an opportunity to, to share my thoughts and for highlighting Richland School District 2 here in, in Columbia, South Carolina. I really appreciate that. 
Thanks to StackUp for making EdTechNow possible. Go to stackup.net to learn more about how StackUp can track reading across the entire web. I'm Lee Schneider, and thanks for listening.